Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Your host, veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron, will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now the host of WellMed Radio, Ron Aaron. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. It's a delight to be here and a delight to pick up on something that not only WellMed Medical Management, but medical practices here and across the country are now really moving into very quickly, and that's the whole area of telemedicine. Dr. Charles Van Dyne, who is the Chief Medical Information Officer for USMD and Associate Medical Information Officer at WellMed, joins us. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of California at Santa Barbara, his medical degree from Albany Medical School, a college in upstate New York, and his master's degree in medical informatics at the UT Health School of Biomedical Information Informatics in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Van Dyne joins us on our WellMed Radio Hotline. Dr. Van Dyne, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me, and happy Monday to everybody. Absolutely, and uh, uh, we're not only delighted to have you here, of all the things uh, you could say about uh, COVID-19, the uh, coronavirus, uh, none are very good, except it's spurring a move into telemedicine, which has sort of been languishing in the background until now. Why the move more and more into telemedicine? As you so accurately pointed out, you know, uh, telemedicine has been kind of languishing, and that's a very good description, and nobody, little people, little small numbers of people doing it here and there. Um, and just to give you some historical background, just so you know, WellMed actually has been doing telemedicine for years through the Palliative Program, and in the last two years, we've been developing our program to roll out telemedicine to the rest of WellMed, um, and in fact, had our soft open last fall in, in October in a limited markets in Texas and Florida, and which really put us in a good position to build it out. And to your point, um, before, nobody really thought, hmm, what's this telemedicine? Do I want to do this? And how does it help me? And why is it better? And all that. But obviously, with COVID, that put a whole new spotlight on the whole whole picture and the utilization of telemedicine. And so it's catalyzed the at the... Uh, uh, penetration and use of telemedicine for obvious reasons, because it allows you to have a face-to-face contact, so to speak, virtually with your doctor on the phone and not have to come into the office. So all of the social distancing and exposure to disease all goes away. The second good use case for it is, you know, we have high-risk providers for various reasons that are identified uh, that shouldn't be working in the clinic because of exposure to COVID, well, they can work from home now. And so it's created, well, not created, it uh, focuses on a lot of use cases for uh, telemedicine that obviously didn't exist before because of COVID. Now, one of the questions that, uh, as a patient, and as I mentioned to you off the air, I am a well-met patient, have not yet tried uh, telemedicine. But one of the questions is, so is it better for me? Don't I really want to be up close and personal uh, to my primary care physician or my specialist? Well, and it depends, and it very much depends on the use case. So, for instance, if you're going to a cardiologist to have them listen to your heart, probably not. However, the technology is coming or is exists already that, that does that. Um, 
Secondly, some things just are not appropriate for telemedicine under any circumstance because they need to be evaluated either in the office or in, in, a, in, the, uh, in an emergency room or urgent care center. But there's a lot of things, and it's not black and white, all or none. I think there's a lot of opportunities to mix it in with face-to-face visits. Obviously, with COVID, we've gone 180 degrees to all telemedicine as much as we can because of COVID. But as we come out of this, it, it, it just it's another tool. And so it's not exclusively one or the other. So, for instance, let's say you have a chronic condition and the doctor has you come into the office every month. Well, you know, that can get a little old sometimes. But how about if every other visit, you just pull them up on the phone, talk about it, and, and you know, see where you're at and doing and save you the trip into the office so you don't have to drive to the office, sit in the parking lot, sit in the waiting room, sit in the exam room, and get checked out. Um, so that's a, a, ca- a use case for it. Um, it. And so, again, it's not all or none. We're being forced to use it now for things that we normally probably wouldn't use it for, um, but we have to because we don't have a choice with COVID. And that will change after we get past all the COVID stuff. So it's, a, it, it's, a, it's an additional way. Think about it this way. How, who on the phone, or who, excuse me, who on the radio hasn't <laughs> shopped at Amazon? It's like the Amazon of healthcare. You don't buy everything there, but you buy a lot of things there. And it's the same way uh, with, with telemedicine. Um, another great example, a patient just gets out of the hospital and they, of course, the doctor's office, as they should, because it's good medical care, calls them to say, you know, we need you to come into the office so we can do all this stuff. And it's important stuff, don't get me wrong. It's absolutely critical, important stuff. However, what if you could save the patient who just got out of the hospital a trip to the office? Do it all from the comfort of your home. Um, so those are just some examples. So That's appealing, I'll tell you. You mentioned Amazon, and I'm chuckling to myself because... Uh, the other day, my eight-year-old daughter, Reagan, said, hey, hey, Daddy, can I have our Amazon password? I said, Reagan, uh, I don't want you buying stuff. Uh, no, Daddy, I'll just kind of put them in the, uh, you know, in the box in the checkout, and, and then maybe if later on, if you want to buy it for me, you can. Right. But, but I did not give her the- <laughs> Amazon that appeals? It's the convenience. Right. Right. I did not give her the password, by the way. Not a surprise, right? Uh, no, not at all. Now, one, of the, would, no. one of the other things okay. that... Uh, I discovered that I thought was really pretty interesting. I, I haven't done this yet because I haven't, Knockwood had to go into the clinic, uh, is that uh, balancing between uh, telemedicine and bringing folks physically into the building, uh, Wellman has been doing some patient checks in the parking lot. So uh, the PCP and the MA will go out uh, and meet you in your car uh, and do some of the things they need to do without bringing you physically into the clinic, which I guess is designed to lower exposure to COVID-19. Right. It's all about lowering exposure and how you choose to do that. We're, we're actually testing or piloting several different ways to do all that. In some cases, if the doctor's there and can go out with the proper protective equipment on, they can actually visit the patient in their car. Or let's say the patient is really concerned, justifiably so, and may not have a device, we can take them out a device, give it to them in their car, and they can visit with the doctor inside the clinic via telemedicine so they don't have to get out of their car, they don't have to worry about the exposure, and they don't have to worry about having the device to do it. Now, and so we're, 
Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you had yeah. mentioned a phone. You can do this on an iPad, on a computer as well, and get uh, video as well as audio. Absolutely. So uh, it's 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 designed to use be used with a, a smartphone, not a regular cell phone, a smartphone, an iPad, or a desktop browser application to to do that. And if you think about it, we all do FaceTime on our iPads and our smartphones. Um, and, and it works fine. And it's the, the vendor has optimized the platform to run on those uh, types of devices because, let's face it, I don't carry a desktop computer around in my back pocket, but I do have a laptop and an iPad and a, and a smartphone. And how do you protect confidentiality so that, uh, you know, someone, a uh, next-door neighbor who may be cheating on your Wi-Fi doesn't penetrate what you're doing and talking to your doctor about? So that's why we don't recommend FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, our vendor-based platform has all those security protocols in place. So they have encryption and that kind of protection. And they've also been vetted by the um, Optum uh, uh, inter- Information Security uh, Group t- for, for security. So, again, everybody says, well, why don't we just use FaceTime? Well, go for it, but it's not private. And you don't know who's recording or doing anything. Um, our platform doesn't record anything, so there's that. Thing. The other piece of the security, though, is something people often forget, and that's your physical location. So you don't want to be having a phone call with your doctor in the supermarket aisle, even though you probably couldn't nowadays with COVID restrictions, but or in some inappropriate non-private place at work, for instance. And the same applies to the providers. Also have to be in a, a secure private environment. Interesting. One of the things I loved about your background, uh, you were interested in informatics early on. You went on, you get a, a, a degree in informatics, uh, you practice medicine for a whole bunch of years, and then you go back into the field that uh, apparently you truly love, biomedical informatics. What was your interest? Well, so if we're going to go down that path, sure. So when I, in the 60s, and when I was in college, I was um, doing computer science, um, and I honestly at that time didn't have the vision of what was coming 20 years later. And also, my father was a physician, and he said, you know, you need to get a job where you have job security. And I mean, I like medicine, of course, anyway, because I'd done some medical mission trips. But So that's how I went and got into medicine, because I knew I would be able to get a job. Well, number one, and of course, obviously, the job satisfaction that comes with being a provider um, and so, you know, you have you get married, you have kids, you move around, you join the Air Force, a lot of things happen, and you just keep tooling along in medicine. But then when I got to be 60, I thought, you know, I really want to get back into this because now the technology is intersecting very nicely with the healthcare space. And really, it's not about the technology, it's how you use the technology in the healthcare space. And the, only, and the people that know how to use it best are the ones that provide the healthcare. So it's a perfect mix, and so that's how I ended up doing that. And um, I went back to graduate school, like you said, to get the degree, um, and then as have not looked back since, um, doing what I do now, which is helping make sure that technology um, interventions in the healthcare space are actually doing good for the patients and helping everybody out. 
We're going to talk more about this in just a minute. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking on the WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Charles Van Dyne, Chief Medical Information Officer at USMD and Associate Medical Information Officer at WellMed Medical Management. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. You may remember about a week ago we talked about a new series that WellMed Medical Management has launched called WellMed Wednesdays Live. Well, coming up in in the next week, you'll have a chance on Wednesday to have another one of the WellMed Wednesdays Live. Charles McPherson, one of the founders of the Commodores, will be the special guest. All that kicks off at 2 p.m. Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, and you'll be able to listen to Charles McPherson perform live for WellMed Wednesdays Live. I listened to uh, uh, Flaco Navarra's uh, uh, Flaco uh, Jimenez is Wednesday Live the other day, and it was great. I said Navarro because Rolito is on in between Flaco and Charles. Okay, enough of that. Back to Charles Van Dyne, who's with us on our WellMed Radio Hotline. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Van Dyne is involved very much in informatics and is helping WellMed physicians, medical assistants, and others uh, move more forcefully into the new technology of telemedicine. Uh, so, Dr. Van Dyne, you mentioned that uh, uh, those who do best with this kind of technology uh, are providers who are delivering health care. Uh, what is it that makes it so much easier for them to adapt uh, to the telemedicine? Well, I think they're already used to um, using an electronic toy, which they love to complain about, their electronic medical record. So they're used to, uh, you know, technology in the healthcare space. Um, and I also think they are beginning to realize the, the true values of telemedicine, because if you think about it, if you have, you know, limited amounts of time, you can actually and not be shorting the patient. And there's another thing I'll uh, bring up in a second. Uh, you can see more of the patient in the same amount of time because you're not waiting for them to get checked in, put in the room. I, I think the other piece that's really important is it's a new workflow and a new dynamic for the provider. One of the common complaints patients have is that the doctor never looks at me. He just looks at his computer when he's in the exam room. Now, you can learn to not do that, obviously, but with the telemedicine application, it makes it easier to get back to the patient because you're, you review their chart before you begin the visit, then you're 100% focused on the visit. You've got one-on-one, you know, face-to-face contact with the patient during the visit. You get the work done, so there's more face time with the patient. Then you say thank you, goodbye, and here's your instructions, all, all of that, and, 
and then you go back to your chart. So it changes their workflow a little bit, so it's much better and easier to have that connection with the patient. And I think if you ask any doctor now, that's one of the biggest gripes they have is there's so much paperwork, or not paperwork, digital work to do and other things to do that they are missing that patient connection. Now, what about scribes? I have been on my PCP. uh, Dr. Richard Pressis has used uh, scribes on many of my visits. I I don't mind them. Some people find that somewhat intrusive. I I think it does solve that problem of is Richard going to look at me or or is he going to look at his computer with a scribe there? The scribe does all the writing. He does the looking. Right. And that's one good use of scribes. And I, so they can work in, in both environments, but yes. But to your point with scribes, it's never exactly the same as if you do it, but it's not a, that's not necessarily a, a negative thing to that. But it's to your other point is some people are not comfortable having another person in there listening to this because it's, you know, some things are fairly personal between you and the doctor. Sure. And like I said, again, we have to, we, our tendency is to take a, a tool and try to use it on everything. And it, that's not always the best way to do it. And there's clearly a use for scribes in many circumstances, and there's huge value. In fact, the few times I was able to have a scribe, I loved having a scribe. Um, but again, it's not going to solve every potential problem that we have. Do we record those sessions so the doctor can go back later uh, and review what was discussed? So, no, we do not. And there's a reason for that. Right. I mean, you know, besides the information we're going across the the Internet, some which way, shape, or form, and then there's making sure it's stored securely, both in transit and where it lands up, and then who owns it, how, you know, how long do you keep it, and all these other kind of things. So it's just better not to store it. I mean, if you think about it, if you have an office visit in person, you don't store that information anywhere except in your chart. Right. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, so I'm always looking at ways where information may be available. I know. I know. <laughs> My wife's an attorney, too, so I get it. I knew there was, there was something behind that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you solve that problem if you don't have a recording. Correct. Some patients do record the session, though, on their smartphone. So I, the application doesn't do that. Right. And I don't suppose there's any reason they couldn't do that, just like they couldn't have their phone on in their, you know, in their pocket while they're in the doctor's office during a visit. Of course. Uh, For the doctor who is adjusting to this new world, uh, and not to make this a a gender issue or an age issue, do you find that younger docs adapt more easily to it? Um, Well, you know, surprisingly, not as much as you would think. I will say that, yes, the, the same providers that had some challenges with the electronic medical record, perhaps. But I also think the senior, and since I'm a senior, I can say that, the ability of seniors to use technology is very underrated. Certainly it's true in some cases because you may have vision issues or you may have arthritis or physical reasons why you can't do it. But seniors are very tech-savvy and interested in doing all of this stuff. And, in fact, the example, I, the great example I would give you is we were giving a, a, this, a lecture, not a lecture, a, a talk on telemedicine and how it works at one of the senior centers. And in the time that we did that short lecture, uh, several of the members, seniors, obviously, in the audience had already downloaded the app and signed themselves up. And so it, it can be done, and sometimes you need help. And let's say a senior is not tech-savvy. 
they'll have a family member or a ch- uh, you know a, a, ch- a child or somebody a caretaker who probably could help them with that because it's just so much more convenient for them for many things. I often say, if you don't know how to Google, ask a five-year-old. Exactly. I mean, you know, right? But but not even that's when I you know I don't think so. I mean. They're using it, and they're, they're having a good time with it. But again, it's a tool that's not appropriate for everybody, but it's good for a, t- a lot more people than people give it credit for. When you think about uh, this advance in technology, as you pointed out, it's been around a long time. In fact, uh, for many years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the American Medical Association was not a big fan of telemedicine. It has been around for many years, and, and I don't know if that's entirely uh clear or true, um, I haven't belonged to the AMA, so I can't really speak on their behalf. I think that in very selected use cases, telemedicine's been around a, a very, very long time. And, and I think it's just a matter of, if you think about it, it's like any new technology when it comes into a market, it starts off very slow, and then it builds up, and then it accelerates, and then it levels off. I mean, think about the iPhone, you know. The iPhone was around for a really long time before it took off like a rocket. Right. Now, I will say this, the adoption of telemedicine, thanks in part to COVID, has taken off as well, obviously, and has blown out of the water the pathetic curve of EHR adoption that occurred over the last, you know, 15, 10, 10, 10 15 years. Um, so we're, I think, you know, it's in a good place. When you think about the, the technology itself for a, uh, uh, a clinic, either a freestanding private medical practice or a corporate situation like uh, WellMed, uh, the investment is not that heavy, is it, in terms of uh, you're talking about iPads if you don't have them uh, and the licensing uh, to use whatever uh, program is used in, in the telemedicine itself. Right. Well, and, you know, the, the various vendors have different models, and we're using a licensed version. So our biggest expense is the licensing uh, expense, and then obviously there's support and training and the other pieces that have to go in on it. Yes, from a technology perspective, you know, from the patient side, we talked about smartphone, iPad, desktop. Most of our providers are currently using it on a laptop or a desktop, so there's really not an additional expenditure. The other challenge sometimes, and I should have brought this up sooner, um, is bandwidth, of course, um, because these video, audio, video applications tend to take up some bandwidth, but, right. you know, at least our vendor has optimized their platform to minimize that. And then the other piece of that is patient's bandwidth on the other, other end. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, but it's also going to, it will pay for itself in indirect ways. So if the patients get better care because they're seen more often because they don't have to drag themselves into an office very frequently or as frequently, that's going to come back back to us in, in better health outcomes, for instance, right? Absolutely. And so these are just the multitude of ways that it's a very valuable uh, investment. And especially for another great example is after hours. If you can save the patient having to go to the ER and wait in line and get exposed to everything under the sun, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great win. We've got about two minutes left. And before we go, I want to see if there's something... I haven't asked you that you want to throw in. Well, sure. I mean, I know we were going to talk a little bit about numbers. Just to let, let you know, when we before COVID, 
in January and February, we had single-digit numbers of visits in telemedicine across the enterprise. And this month, we're on track to go over 8,000. Wow. Which is, our vendors said they've never seen anybody ramp up so fast. And I attribute that directly to the fact, of course, our, our team will take some, some credit for that. But it's also the well-met executive team, the providers, the staff, all of everybody has jumped in with both feet to get this off the ground and have done a phenomenal job in doing that. And it wouldn't have happened, I think, if it wasn't, you know, the way, it's just, the, to me, it's the well-met way. Well-met has a problem, they fix it, and they deal with it. And, and what do patients tell you about it? So, that's a good question. I forgot to bring that up, too. We have some preliminary surveys, um, and let me get make sure I get this right. So, 88% of over 900 surveys said they had a good or excellent experience. Wow. And, nine, and 92% of those 900 said they would do it again. That's pretty cool. Which Right. It is. I mean... You know that's that's really good. I mean, I I know we'd all love to have NPS scores like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so if your doctor doesn't offer it, ask for telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, that's not an issue. Going to be an issue within the well-met employed environment. Every single provider, all nearly nine hundred, and all the staff, nearly three thousand um, <laughs> ah. of the staff users, not every staff they have in well-met. They've right. all been trained. So if your Perfect. provider is a well-met provider, employee provider, then you should be able to have telemedicine or get telemedicine. Charles, got to stop you right there. You did a great job, and I look forward to following up maybe in six months or so and see how much more it's grown. Thank you. Right. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Dr. Charles Van Dyne, Chief Medical Information Officer, USMD, and Associate Medical Information Officer at WellMed. Everything you need to know and more on telemedicine. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.